Hello everybody, I'm your host Hal Curtis and I'd like to welcome you to The Space Industry by Satsearch, where we share stories about the companies taking us into orbit. In this podcast, we delve into the opinions and expertise of the people behind the commercial space organisations of today who could become the household names of tomorrow. Before we get started with the episode, remember you can find out more information about the suppliers, products and innovations that are mentioned in this discussion on the global marketplace for space at satsearch.com. Hello and welcome to the episode. I'm joined today by Jacob Nissen, Chief Sales Officer at Space Inventor. Space Inventor is a Danish satellite engineering company that specializes in nano and microsatellites and is a participant in the SatSearch membership program. Today, we're going to discuss extending CubeSat LEO platforms into geo missions. Uh, firstly, Jacob, welcome. And um, is there anything you'd like to add to that introduction? No, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for giving me this opportunity to, to join this conversation. No problem. You're more than welcome. Okay, so let's dive into this topic. Now, Space Inventor's heritage dates back to kind of the early days of CubeSat platform development. And and back then, CubeSats were known as being a little bit unreliable and had uh, significantly high failure rates in comparison to other you know aspects of space technology, of course. How do you think the industry has evolved to deliver higher performances and, and higher reliability uh, for CubeSat platforms today? Well, I think uh, different companies have taken different approaches uh, to this. Uh, some some companies have, you know, done more qualifications of their products, but not really changed uh, the way they're doing stuff. Uh, there is a, a tendency in in this uh, industry that you know once you have flight heritage, then uh, then you are maintaining your products as is. But for us at Space Inventor, we are. We had the, actually the luxury to rethink how uh, CubeSat should be built uh, since we were established back in 2015. So we we are looking into how we can obtain higher reliability and higher performance in our, you can say, satellite platform. And we have been inspired by how how the traditional space industry is doing things and then combine it with the more new space uh, technologies like using COPS components. And then we also add the distributed software architecture to our systems. So once looking at, at the CubeSat, we, the first thing we did was get rid of the stack connector uh, because this is really an unreliable component in the system where you use the stack connector to combine uh, several components to a satellite bus. Uh, and this stack connector is, in our opinion, very uh, unreliable, especially when you are assembling and disassembling your satellite uh, bus, which quite happened quite often. So what we did was uh, making uh, all our subsystems and avionic systems into enclosures, which can then be used both for microsatellites and nanosatellites. And then we actually applied the PC-104 form factor so it actually also can fit into a CubeSat uh, satellite. So having these kind of enclosures uh, gives us a, quite a lot of uh, advantages from a reliability and performance point of view. Uh, firstly, of course, uh, the shielding or the enclosure provides you with some shielding uh, from radiations, uh, but it also provides us with very good uh, thermal properties where we can actually uh, get the transfer the heat from uh, our processing units uh, or power processing units 
to to the entire enclosure and then to the structure. That means that we can actually put more performance into our subsystems uh, due to this. And then secondly, or thirdly, we are actually also using high reliable connectors in a shielded enclosure, which provides you with a very low EMI uh, properties uh, for each subsystem, which makes it much more easy to integrate the final satellite without having any interoperability issues. Interesting. Yeah. So there's um, quite a lot has gone into the, the, the redesign and re-engineering of the systems. And of course, we're just talking about the, the, the satellite itself there, uh, the, the bus and aspects of the bus. Now, in the early days, again, of the CubeSat industry, there were a lot of payloads in use that were you know, either experimental or due to certain performance limitations, just could not be extended into commercial devices, services, maybe due to cost or just simply due to the, the output they were able to give when used in small sat platforms, uh, CubeSat platforms, apologies. Now, as we see nanosatellite industry maturing today, you, do you see there's more of a trend towards the sizes of satellite becoming bigger due to the fact that commercial applications are requiring payloads that need you know higher mass, volume, power, etc., because of the performance levels that they're trying to achieve? Yeah, it, it's a broad uh, it's a broad question in, in in some way because you you will still see for you can say student projects where you do where you still are trying to learn how to make a satellite and an entire satellite mission program. There you still will see these very small CubeSats in one or up to three U satellites. And then for commercial IoT satellite missions, you still want to maintain quite a low or small volume of your satellite. So we still see that these small IoT missions is still in the size of three to six U's where you then apply larger deployable solar panels to, to get in the, the power enough uh, for running it. But there, there is a big focus on, on still keeping uh, the size of the satellite small to you know, reduce the, the cost of uh, the launch when you're doing a, a quite a significant uh, constellations of satellites. But I think for most satellites and also the trend we're seeing is that uh, the satellites is becoming bigger especially for you can say remote sensing applications where you're either having rf uh, signal intelligence or earth observations here we see that you want uh, especially for earth observation satellites you want the uh, resolutions uh, down to 0.5 meters in 500 kilometers attitude and when you need this uh, very low uh, resolutions, then uh, then naturally the satellite becomes bigger because uh, the aperture of the camera needs to be bigger. So this is also the reason why why Space Inventor has been focusing on building only not only cubesats but also microsatellite platforms. So we we have a focus on on building platforms up to more than one hundred kilograms. Uh, with a high performance uh, uh, racks and wheels, so we can do very accurate pointing together with the Star Tracker that we provide together with uh, Tama, uh, another Danish company that has a very long uh, track record in Star Trackers. So, what you'll see is we are actually also for Earth observation satellites, we are introducing uh, also a new line of communication solutions, uh, both within S and X band uh, radios. 
The first one will be uh, handling up to data rates up to 20 megabit per second, but our next version of uh, our expand product will go up to more than 300 megabit per second. Also, you'll see satellites becoming bigger for SAR radars, uh, where we're also making a platform where the power consumption is much larger. So here is an, our next invention that's coming in within the next year is a, is a, a power solution that provides you with kilowatt uh, in the kilowatt range of uh, the power that we can generate on our bus. Interesting. So it's very much driven by the different applications available. And as you said, the, there are certain teams in, in research and, and uh, student teams that still need you know, these, these uh, less, less high-performance systems in a smaller form factor. But it's interesting that there's an overall trend and you've seen in the industry and and another um obviously another area that you're you're looking at taking your experience is from the development of, of leo based small spacecraft towards geo missions now this seems on the face of it like a big undertaking what what challenges do you see are you seeing in delivering you know a small spacecraft platform for a geo mission and how are you how are you overcoming such issues yeah, I, I would say that going from, from Geo to, to Geo is, is quite a, a significant uh, step uh, in the complexity of the mission. Uh, you have a more harsh environment uh, from a radiation point of view, but also that we actually need to maneuver the spacecraft uh, from different uh, orbital slots within Geo. So, but Going first to the uh, the environment, uh, we actually have done quite a lot uh, for, for handling the radiation environment. One of the things we've done uh, during this project, but, but actually also as before we started this project, was to have a kind of a simulation tool where we can actually take our 3D CAT drawing of the, the actual system, and then we can calculate what kind of radiation uh, exposure each component in the system will have. And then, then we can actually apply spot shielding in the spacecraft where, you know, where is, it will be become necessary to do so. Another thing is that we, in, the, in the spacecraft, everything is built also with a complete uh, redundant systems. And for our propulsion systems, which is a very critical component in the, in the spacecraft, we actually have we actually have a triple redundant system so we know that you know if something fails we always have the capacity to to move ourselves to the geo graveyard and also from a software point of view we've we've done quite a lot to to measure the performance of all our systems uh, so we know that they are uh, all operating and there's not been changes to the memory and then we have built the software in a way where we can actually recover very fast. So we can actually recover and continue our mission uh, within milliseconds uh, in, in our software platform. For maneuvering, we also incorporated what you call ranging. So for ranging, you're actually using ranging for establishing your, your actually position in GEO. Uh, some people have been trying to use a GPS, but in, normally GPS doesn't work in, in Geo, so you need another way of finding your exact propulsion uh, location. And then we are actually using up to four different or uh, four propulsion systems to perform uh, station keeping and also do wheel unloading. 
in in traditional in in Leo, you are using magnet toggers to do the wheel unloading, uh, but in but in geo, the magnetic field from the earth is so weak that you can't apply uh, magnet toggers for this. So for wheel unloading, you actually need to apply uh, propulsion systems. And then uh, we're also having uh, the propulsion system for, uh, or an electrical propulsion system to, to do the uh, uh, orbital maneuvering, going from one slot to another. And actually also we are using this for the initial uh, orbital in insertion because we are, even though people say we are being in, uh, injected directly into GEO, we are actually being dropped off uh, a thousand kilometers uh, below the DU orbit. So we still need to move uh, towards our original orbital slot by using our propulsion system. So what we've done as well is to, to make sure that our entire AOCS systems is built together so we can actually uh, simulate how an, a, a trust will impact the rest of our AOCS system so we can establish how much impact it will have on our wheels when we're doing a trust. And one of the things we've learned as well uh, is that we we need to to make sure that it's uh, is flexible enough. Then we are having a the capability of doing trust vectoring, so we can compensate for different changes of, uh, of the mass of the spacecraft. And for now, you you can say the uh, the project we are having now we actually passed uh, the critical design review, and we are actually now start building the spacecraft. So we are, you can say, through most of the, the biggest uh, design challenges, uh, and we are now quite confident that we'll have a successful mission. So we are, we are looking forward to our mission launch, uh, which will happen uh, early next year. Fantastic. Well, obviously, best of luck with it. I'm sure it'll all go well. It's surprising how much is involved in expanding expanding the, the, the capability from LEO to GEO. I mean... Yeah, aspects of it that you wouldn't think about, and, and given those sort of limitation or potential limitations, if you know, notwithstanding your engineering approach, um, when we're talking about the the requirements for the propulsion, both for orbital transfer and 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 pointing, the lack of or the the inability to directly locate the in, in, increased radiation seal, shielding required, ultimately, what kinds of payloads and services do you see that could really emerge as very strong options for, for geo-based small spacecraft, you know, small satellites? Do you see more missions in this direction? Do you see the, there being a real a real uh, opportunity here? I think, uh, I think uh, this will be a niche market, uh, but there will definitely be uh, uh, more missions coming in. Uh, the, the payload will primarily be uh, with communication missions uh, where you have communication uh, transponders on the spacecraft uh, either for you can say very local area networks where you are having a kind of a restricted uh, communication system or i know also people are looking into making an iot solutions from a, a geostationary satellite instead uh, because it has the benefit that you know once you've deployed one satellite in a specific region, then you can service uh, initially just with one satellite, you can service an entire area. Uh, whereas if you have a LEO satellite, then you need a, a larger constellation to provide the same 100% uh, coverage in time. So, so it will be definitely, IoT can be an interesting thing. 
Otherwise, we are also working with uh, another company on what they call life extension missions, where you are actually building a, a smaller spacecraft that will then dock onto another existing geostationary satellite and then assist uh, with the station keeping uh, on the original state uh, satellite, where then you can uh, maintain or extend the lifetime of the satellite uh, because you can save some fuel on the, the existing satellite so it can operate for a longer time before it has to go to the graveyard. So there are different uh, applications, but they are main, mainly within communication missions or in life extension missions. But it's sort of a different way of, of looking at the, the business aspect of it because you've got a, a higher upfront investment required. So you need a, a mission application that's that's wide enough, large enough, I guess, to to make back that investment. That, that That's true. You have a, a higher, you know, upfront investment, but you also up and running, you know, just with one, one satellite commission, then you can actually do the service uh, by full uh, and not wait that you are, you know, deploying a full constellations of uh, hundreds of satellites. Interesting. So uh, what about from the, um, the mission design aspect of it? Is it, how, how have you found it, um, extending the practices around quality control and reliability that you know have been established for leo missions and services and equipment and are there challenges in the supply chain for example because many of the components that are built for leo cubesats can't be easy at least easily used in geo as the environment is so different as you've as you've discussed so actually that was one of the key points that that actually enabled the space inventor to take on this mission to geo because our systems originally was built with much higher uh, quality standard uh, from the beginning. So we have actually been able to, to reuse most of the systems we've built. Uh, of course, we have done some smaller adjustments to our hardware and software, but mainly uh, due to our, you can say, original design uh, with high performance and quality in mind, we could actually reuse those. Uh, and then also we are we were in this you can say good situation that we actually had a physicist in our team that has experience and is his domain is radiation impacts on electronic circuit boards. So we actually had the the knowledge in house to actually to guide you can say the the electronic uh, development team of how they should build uh, the circuit boards uh, and what is you know good practice. So we actually put that into um, into our initial designs as well. Of course, we have we have done some some new, more critical uh, selections of. We are still using Koch components, but we are having a little bit more critical uh, selection pro- process towards you know what are the impacts on on on, on radiations. And then, as I mentioned previously in our conversation, is that we've we've made a complete redundant system. So if something will fail, and it probably will fail, then we will have uh, other subsystems that will will take over. So we build a little bit more resilient uh, satellite platform in, instead of making it just robust. Oh, fascinating! That's really interesting. It's really interesting to learn about the, the approach there. So yeah, and it sounds like there were certain uh, you know advantages that you had, which maybe put you put you ahead of other other companies or other teams. So that's a uh, that's great to. I guess have an opportunity to use them, so that's great. Um, now, aside from, I guess just to finish up, aside from the 
you've got the mission coming next year, like you said, and you mentioned um, partnership with with an organisation that you're going to be working on the station keeping, etc., for an existing satellite. What do you think are the most exciting changes that you're seeing in in the industry and on the on the topics that we've talked about in the next you know five years? What are you? What's most exciting you guys here at Space Inventor? Well, I I think what we we were hoping to see as well is that we're actually now going to see that the new space industry it's such are going to make, you know, and deliver profitable services uh, to customers around the world from, from you know, uh, space activities. And also, we are not hoping, but I think we are seeing a trend that, you know, people will be selecting uh, the satellite platforms where, you know, quality, lifetime, and the performance is more key parameters uh, in 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 the selection than not just having you know the lowest price uh, for doing a demonstration of satellites so i think we see that we have put ourselves into the sweet spot for the for the next five years that with you know early on high focus on on quality and making sure that we actually have systems that performs uh, both for microsatellites and, and cubesats so i think we put ourselves in a nice place where you know where people when they want to do more commercial missions uh, then that they will choose uh, our platform for for the coming missions so i think for us we we see quite a, a promising future uh, from our platforms especially also now that we we also had uh, some some flight heritage of our existing platform well fantastic and i hope uh, i hope that things play out like um, like you're hoping for so and as i've said best of luck with the mission the upcoming mission next year and um yeah it's really interesting to find out more about all the work at space inventor and about in particular the topic that we discussed today expanding the capabilities and the possibilities that leo spacecraft and applications can bring into the geo domain so i think you will have helped our listeners learn a lot about that topic so thank you very much for spending time with us today jacob yeah you're more than welcome that's great, thank you. And to all our listeners out there, remember you can find out more about Space Inventor on the SatSearch platform. You can find out about the products that the company offers, the sort of services that are available, and um, request more information about technical details, documents, introductions to the business, quotes, whatever you need for your procurement, and trade studies, and your mission development yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space Industry by SatSearch. I hope you enjoyed today's story about one of the companies taking us into orbit. We'll be back soon with more in-depth, behind-the-scenes insights from private space businesses. In the meantime, you can go to satsearch.com for more information on the space industry today, or find us on social media if you have any questions or comments. To stay up to date, please subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can also get each podcast on demand on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, or whichever podcast service you typically use.